This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story. Young Australians are more diverse than ever before, from their cultural backgrounds to their sexual identities. And as the housing crisis and the rising cost of living continue to bite... When we're talking to younger people, they're saying, you know, why are we talking about all these issues? It's because so many of the politicians are Gen X. It's because so many of the politicians have multiple houses. I don't have multiple houses. I would like to buy a house. Are you talking about the things that would help me buy a house? Experts say that younger Australians' political views are shifting to the left. So what is driving this trend? And what impact could it have going forward? Today, how young people are shaping the future of Australia's political landscape. It's Wednesday, the 29th of November. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Josh, we often think that as we get older, our political views become more conservative. But is that true? So there's this apocryphal story from Winston Churchill that when you're younger, if, you're, if you aren't left-wing, you don't have a heart. And if, when you're older, if you aren't conservative, you don't have a brain. <laughs> as far as we can know, he never said that. Josh Nicholas is a data journalist for Guardian Australia. It's generally a feeling, right, that as, as you get older, as you start accumulating more stuff, as you get more responsibilities, you become more conservative. Now, as far as we can tell, that's not true. But even if it is... It's getting less true over time. What do you mean by that? What's changing? So there's a survey that gets run after every federal election. It's been going on for almost 40 years now. It's run by the Australian National University called the Australian Election Study. And in the 1960s, 1970s, younger Australians were about as likely to vote for the coalition as for Labor. At the time, they would have been silent generation, baby boomers. In the 90s, something changes. The Greens appear in that decade as well, but basically you start seeing a trend away from the two major parties. More and more younger people are voting for the Greens, and that trend has basically continued since then. In 2022, about 20% of Gen Z voters voted for the coalition, slightly higher, around 27% for millennials, but that's far lower than a third of all voters who voted for the coalition, and over 45% of baby boomers. Now, an interesting wrinkle as well is when you break this down to just people who don't own homes, all of those numbers go down. Mm. Right. So home ownership is actually really statistically significant when it comes to political trends. Or coalition support specifically. So instead of becoming more conservative, younger people are actually becoming more progressive politically. Yes. And this is what political scientists have told us is sort of there's a fundamental shift going on in that they're breaking away from this two-party consensus. And unless something changed, this is going to continue. We both spoke to one millennial woman, Alex. I would say I'm definitely on the progressive side, left-leaning. I'm not going to say that I'd never change my mind about that, but right now, that's what I think. Who's a school teacher and says that she finds herself becoming more progressive as she gets older, not conservative. I would say that my 
values have become more left-leaning and I've become more of a socialist mm-hmm. and that that's sort of been informed by my career. So I've always worked in the government and in education in some way, particularly now that I've become a teacher at a public high school because I went to a private school. So I never really saw this perspective, but now that I work in a public high school, I can really see why it's important to be left-leaning. I have students with food insecurity, students who can't afford a new pair of school shoes. There are, of course, students whose families are perfectly well off and they're well taken care of, but I'm seeing a lot more of this socioeconomic disparity now Mm. that I didn't see before. You can't expect a child to be prepared to learn to the best of their ability when they haven't had breakfast or they feel sick but they couldn't stay at home because their parents have to work. Josh, what do you think is going on? Like, what is driving this trend? There are a couple of ways to answer that. So this is a trend we're seeing all around the world, right? The surveys in Europe, surveys in America, they're all picking up the same thing. If anything, it seems like this is happening in Australia later than it's happened in other advanced democracies, but it's basically happening everywhere. Mm. And one of the big things that political scientists are pointing to is that younger Australians now are significantly different. Their life experiences are significantly different to when their parents and their grandparents were the same age. So it's things like a higher proportion of younger Australians have a university education, a lower proportion own their own home, a lower proportion have uh, are married, have children. And then you've got a whole bunch of social things that are different. Younger people are far more likely to identify as LGBTQ+ or to have been born overseas. Mm. So there are all these structural differences between these generations, between younger Australians and older Australians, and a lot of them are unlikely to change. It sounds like not only is the composition of young people different, but their experiences of being a young person are really different to that of their parents. So how does that affect their political views? There's a lot of literature showing that a lot of your political beliefs, your worldview, starts to form in your late teens, early 20s, throughout you know, your 20s and 30s. So w- when we're talking about things like owning a home, when that happens in your life is actually really important, right? Like I- if you get married and buy a home in your early 20s and you're still developing your, the way you view the world, that's significantly different than if you buy your first home after you've already developed your worldview. Mm. And, and that's a huge thing that's happening here. It's all these like milestones that are getting delayed, they're often getting delayed after people basically become set in stone in their political beliefs. Alex has said that even though by default she votes Labor, she doesn't really identify with the party in the same way that her parents did when they were growing up. My... Mother has always been a Labor voter and my parents both come from uh, lower class families, like working class families. So my father is a Greek immigrant and uh, my mother was born into a fairly poor family in Brisbane. Mm -hmm. So they've always had a keen sense of what was happening for them as they were growing up and the kind of people that should have been supporting them at the time. And my father's a tad more conservative. He um, has never really demonstrated in any meaningful way how conservative he is. Like, he still votes Labor, as far as I know. It was just sort of never questioned. When I was younger, if I'd said I was going to vote conservative, 
my mother wouldn't have had it. She wouldn't have let me. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. What is your take on the political debate right now and, and how both parties seem to be performing? The debate between Labor, Liberal, and I suppose we have to bring Greens into the fold now is, I would say, meaningless. The whole perceived success of the last federal election was the idea that we had a Labor government again after so many years and that they couldn't have won without the involvement of the Greens. So the fact that I haven't noticed any change whatsoever in the debate is both upsetting and not surprising. Yeah. It sounds like you're sort of pretty disillusioned with Labor at the moment. Yes, I would say that I am. I would say that Labor's become the left-leaning party of our parents. If your parents Mm. are slightly left-leaning, they will vote Labor Mm. and that's it. But you don't feel like there's anything about either major political party that really appeals to young people at the moment or young people like you at the moment? I would say not. Anyone that I've known, a young person who's really engaged with either the Labor or the Liberal Party is typically someone who wants to work in politics and feels very strongly about that or they work for the news or some other related organisation. So it's not something that really comes into my daily life. Josh, how does that sort of experience square with the kind of data that you're seeing right now? So I've reported on this in the past as well. Like Younger people are far less likely to join groups like political parties than previous generations, or even right now, than older generations right now. And and this is a, a huge part of it, is like distrust in sort of like the internal incentives in these systems. If you think that whatever political party is full of your parents' generation, and they are significantly different, their interests are significantly different to yours, are you going to trust these institutions? Are you going to sign up for them for life? Mm, Maybe yeah. not. I mean, she also mentioned that the kind of people that she's interacting with day to day has changed. And so she grew up in a private school, for example, but now she sees students struggling at the public school where she teaches. And that has really changed her perception of, I guess, how she thinks society should be organised. Those experiences have made me a lot more empathetic. They've really expanded my perspective on the world that we live in and the kind of society that we have in Australia. Are those kinds of changes also happening too now that young people are more likely to be interacting with other people who are more culturally diverse or who are LGBTQ+. Is that something that's a factor in this too? It's a huge thing. When I've talked to political scientists, they're constantly talking about social networks and not online social networks. They're literally talking about peer groups. And if you are gay or trans, if you know someone who's gay or trans, if you know someone who's born in another country, you're more likely to start talking about these issues. You're more likely to be aware of barriers that are faced. So it's, it's not even just, does this literally apply to you? It's, does it apply to any of the people that you know? Mm. That's, that's the way this starts to build. Mm. At a specific time in your life where you're becoming politicised. Yes, yes. Next, how is this generational change affecting Australian politics? Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here with a quick note about The Guardian. As you're probably aware, Guardian Australia's journalism is editorially independent, meaning we set our own agenda. We don't have a billionaire owner, nor do we answer to shareholders, so we're free from commercial bias. 
And this independence matters because it means we're able to challenge the powerful and hold them to account. Unlike many news organisations, we have not put up a paywall. We chose a model that means our reporting is open to everyone and funded by our readers who can afford to pay. Every contribution, whether big or small, counts. If you're able to contribute and have a minute, head to theguardian.com forward slash support full story. We've also linked to this on the full story page. Thanks. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millennials and Gen Z make up a significant chunk of the voting population. So how are we starting to see this sort of generational political shift play out in national campaigns, for example? So the median voter is still someone in their 40s, right? So... We still see there are still large populations of silent generation of baby boomers of Gen X. So no, millennials and Gen Z are still are still the minority. There's a lot of Gen Z who still can't vote. So I had to sort of exclude them from a lot of my analysis. But yeah, they are growing as a slice of the electorate. They're growing as a slice of Australia. And another thing is that a lot of people who immigrate to Australia are also in these generations, right? Especially people who come on working visas. Mm. So their importance in the electorate is growing, but they aren't there yet. And we can already see their power in voting. One example is the same-sex marriage plebiscite. So in these surveys that are run after every election, they ask the same questions. And one of the questions they asked in the 90s was, should there be stricter laws against homosexuality? And it was about 50% said yes. And then when you fast forward through 2017, the same-sex marriage plebiscite, you know, it passed. 60-something percent of people voted yes. And a huge part of that was millennials. And one of the experts I talked to who did a lot of polling throughout that survey, he said that if it had just been older generations voting, it wouldn't have passed. Mm. What about for a more recent campaign, like for the voice referendum? I've been talking to the people who run this election survey, and they did it again after the voice referendum. Mm. And one of the things they said is age was the best predictor of how people would vote. Right. Again. And when you look at the numbers, it's incredible. So 18 to 24-year-olds, almost 60% voted yes. It basically just keeps declining as you look older and older. Over 75-year-olds, less than a quarter voted yes. Wow. So even though young people are not necessarily swinging huge votes either way to either political party or on either side. It's it's still a significant, sizable chunk and it's growing more and more influential. And it's also on specific issues. So, you know, you, you can see it on things like immigration, you can see it on The Voice, you can see it on, re- on recognition for Indigenous people. 
like issue after issue, they're voting a certain way. They tend to vote a certain way. And that doesn't seem to be changing. So, Josh, the cost of living crisis is also acutely affecting young people right now. And as you say, the milestones that we're able to reach, including when we can buy our own home. So how much do you think these kinds of unique economic circumstances affect young people's political views? So housing is a big one. And if you, if you look at just the straight numbers, it's actually quite an alarming story. So when I asked CoreLogic for the house prices over time, they show that the median dwelling in 1991 was about $136,000. Mm. And then by 2021, it was over $700,000. Mm. And actually, if you look at specific cities like Sydney, it's even more alarming than that. But our incomes didn't rise to that same amount, right? So in 1991, the median house price was about five times what a younger person could earn. So someone between 25 and 39, the median income for someone that age. By 2021, it was nine times. Wow. So the sticker price of a house was a lot higher, right? And one of the big you know, kickbacks you get when you talk about this is that, well, interest rates were a lot lower in 2021 than they were in 1991. And that's true. But the ABS crunched the data and they found that between these two years, younger people were paying about the same amount of their incomes for their mortgage. Mm. So actually paying for the house was about the same. But the big problem is how do you get the deposit? When house prices have risen that amount, how do you save for that? Especially when your income isn't growing at the same rate that exactly, it was back then. Exactly. And this is the thing that keeps coming up, especially around discussions around things like negative gearing. When we're talking to younger people, they're saying, you know, why are we talking about all these issues? It's because so many of the politicians are Gen X. It's because so many of the politicians have multiple houses. I don't have multiple houses. I would like to buy a house. Are you talking about the things that would help me buy a house? And that's something Alex said to me. They aren't talking to me. They're talking to themselves, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I get letters from my local member about stuff that I don't care about and I put it in the recycling. Couldn't tell you the last time I received any sort of meaningful communication from either party. You're painting a picture to us of how your generation is being left out of politics almost. I would say that if you are not actively involved and actively searching for that information, then you are by default left out. So what challenge do you think this sort of generational shift presents to the major political parties right now? I think one of the things is this trend has been going for about 20, 30 years. There's nothing saying that it's not going to pull back a little bit. Like that's what how statistics works, right? You know, you have a couple of tall generations of kids and then the third one is, is a lot shorter. Reversion to the mean. So there may be some pullback, but I think the fact that you're seeing this around the world says it's, it's not something that's you know, peculiar about our political parties. Mm. There's something a bit more there. And then I, I can't get over that there are things that can't change. You know, we, we are a much more multicultural country than we were 20, 30 years ago. We are much less religious. Are those trends going to reverse? I don't think so. So yeah, if these underlying trends aren't going to change, then the political parties will have to adapt. They're going to have to start speaking to younger people like they're asking for. So as I've talked to more and more people, like the disillusionment just comes across, right? Like that that's such a solid feeling among younger voters. And that's something that Alex brought up as well. And it's not just even our generation, her generation. It's like what happens to her kids and their kids? Like unless something changes, people are just going to keep feeling like the system isn't serving them. 
Well, it's one of two scenarios. So the first scenario is that nothing changes and the status quo keeps going and I'm still having this conversation when I have children or it changes in the sense that enough people become disillusioned so that the system is forced to change over multiple election cycles. But at the same time, I worry about us all becoming resigned to the fact that nothing will change and more concerned with, legitimately concerned with our own work. Where are we going to live? What kind of life will my children have? Mm. Will I be able to actually contribute to effective change? That was Josh Nicholas. He's a data reporter for Guardian Australia. And if you want to find out more about this generational shift, I recommend you check out Josh's article about this, which goes into far more detail about the data that's available. It's called Younger Australians Buck Entrenched Political Trend as New Kind of Adulthood Bites. We'll post a link to that article on the full story page. You can also check out a new project from our data team on the Guardian website tomorrow. It's called The Crunch, a new video series where we take one key chart on an important topic like the housing crisis or climate change, we turn it into audio and video, and then we discuss what it means for the world. Okay, that's it for today. This episode was produced by Karish Maluthria, sound design and mixing by James Milsom. Our theme music was composed by Joe Koning. The executive producer was Hannah Parks. I'm Jane Lee. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA, members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.